I'm like I'm like the chat GPT for Brad. I just study his <laughs> movements and I learn a little bit each day and each week. And a li- every once one day I'm gonna show up and I'll just be Brad. Is it your birthday week? That is truly no. frightening on so many levels, Ferber. Nobody, there's, there's, the world only needed one of me. My parents were going to have multiple kids, and then they had me, and that was it. They're like, we are good. That makes a lot we of sense. Are Welcome, everyone, to the CapsCorner.com podcast, CapsCorner.com, your source of Virginia sports. I am Brad Franklin, publisher of CapsCorner.com, coming to you live from the palatial Franklin States in the west end of Richmond, where it is Tuesday, April the 4th. Um, let's see, we've got the official end of basketball season last night, spring football is continuing on, portal season is heating up everywhere, lots to discuss, so let's dive right in. Um, we will start by introducing everybody, as we always do. In Fishersville, board moderator du jour. David Spence is on the show. How's it going, my friend? Pretty good. I did run, run into Coach Hef at the grocery store this week, but um, you know <laughs> that meeting went well. Who Dave's on the board at Who Dave's on Twitter. That's such a niche joke. All right. In uh, Charlottesville, Editor-in-Chief Justin Ferber is also on this year's program. How's it going, my dude? Not too bad. Uh, just getting through it day by day, you know. Still crying over Jim Nance's exit from public life until he goes to the Masters this weekend. Um at Justin underscore Ferber on Twitter. And Cavs Corner is also on Twitter. Cavs underscore Corner. Great place for the in-game updates, the content items, and the occasional witty banter. All right. Um, let's start on the basketball front because, real talk, I mean, the transfer portal is, like, alive. Um, and I, I think a lot of us sort of saw this coming, that this thing was going to be, you know, even bigger than normal. Um, the last few years have certainly um, – you know, the, everything is ticked up a significant amount. I, I think last time I saw it, it was like some absurd, like 13, 14, whatever the number is, the number of kids in the portal. Um, Virginia is absolutely portal shopping, um, you know, after our conversation last week and sort of the developments therein. Um, it makes sense. I think Ferber did a really nice job of sort of outlining um, a lot of the different names that are on the board. Um, official visits are getting set. Um, a lot of this, a lot of the transfer portal recruiting is, 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 is interesting in the sense that like, it's like, n- like it's related in a way to traditional high school recruiting, but it's also very different because guys are sort of like on different timelines and, um, there's a, there's a weird sort of cadence to some of it. Like some of the kids, you can tell they're sort of waiting to take their trips and that's not necessarily dissimilar from traditional high school recruiting. But at the same time, like you do get the sense that like there's a lot more at play than guys just sort of needing to get their ducks in a row. Um, whereas in high school, high school kids are trying to figure out what's important. I think these kids sort of know what it is and they're just trying to make sure they find it. Um, so before we we dive into sort of the who and the the what, let's. I just want to get like a status check. Um, how are we feeling right now? I will admit that I am. I am moderately nervous about Virginia's ability to sort of sign the guys that I think 
the Cavaliers really need to sign. Um, certainly, there are a lot of names on the board, and a lot of the dudes that are coming in for visits are very, you know, solid prospects and guys I think that could really help the team in a variety of different ways. But for me, I think the mix of what I'm looking for or what I think they need, I don't, I'm not, I'm just worried that maybe they won't be able to land this year. Dave, what's your, what's your read? Put your, put your finger in the air. Yeah. Tell, tell me which way you think the wind's blowing. I mean, I think it's just a confusing time, right? Cause I, I mean, I feel like we're in an M, uh, maybe impasse is too strong of a word, but um, it kind of reminds me of when Coach K went to the one and done, right? Because um, he had always kind of built his roster up prior to that. And now he's kind of learned to play in the one and done world. And essentially, that's how every coach has to learn to play now. Because, I mean, I see a lot of talk on the board about, hey, I don't want to bring in a transfer if it means, you know, so and so Buchanan or Gertrude doesn't get playing time because um, I want them to be good two years from now. I think every coach has to kind of look at their lineup different. Um, I know we discussed this in kind of the red shirt discussion last week, but it, it feels like every year you got to rebuild your roster now. Um, you got to make decisions based on, you know, what's going to help me win next year. And then when you look at Virginia's roster as assembled, and then, um, I mean, I think, look, I, I still feel pretty confident Tony Bennett will put a very good team on the floor next year. I just don't know how good. Um, He's going to have to rely on the transfer portal, obviously. And then, you know, if there is a good side to that, is Virginia's done really well in the in the portal. Um, you know, most guys they've gotten out of the portal have have panned out. Um, you know, only a couple have come in and played right away. You know, Braxton Key, um, Trey Murphy, um, BVP last year. So, for the most part, they've helped out. So, like, I'm I'm com- confident something will be good. But I mean, I think as like most fans, I'm just kind of waiting for that first domino to fall because that, you know, whoever you land first kind of dictates who you have to go yeah. to next, right? It, yeah, it kind of feels like when you're when in classic Tony classes, right? Classic Tony classes. That's a that's a mouthful. Um, a lot of times he would want to start with the point guard, right? Because if he needed a point guard, find that dude and then build around him, right? Forever, you, I thought your piece did a really good job of not only kind of explaining the the. The, the fact that there's so many different like dudes on the board, but also I think the fact that there are so many guys on the board really sort of underscores like how unpredictable this feels. How are you feeling um, about Virginia's chances to kind of get the guys that you think the Cavaliers need? Mm. Uh, I think I'm confident that they'll get some players that right can be, you know, good fits for what UVA does and ACC level players. There's certainly a need, but they just have a lot of work to do. I think um, that's. Ex- I think you just did a great job of encapsulating exactly where I am. Yeah, I mean, Keep they going. just they need a lot of dudes. Like, I mean, it's not like all right, they got to get like this one piece and then they're good. Like last year with BVP, you know, how deep did they even really get in the portal? Like, they might have looked at a couple other guys, right? But not really. I mean, like they didn't really have to fill a lot of holes on the roster because they brought everybody back. So. This is just a very different dynamic, um, and it reminds me a lot of the offseason, the 2021 offseason when Hauser and Murphy left and Huff left, and they had to go out and kind of desperately backfill, right? Especially, And then Morcel left and McCoy left and all that. So they had to go out and backfill. And, you know, there was a couple days there where they, like, struck out on a couple guys or you know, didn't work out or whatever. And then they kind right. of identified Gardner and Franklin and moved on them. Right. Right. Um, and we felt a little better, right. It's like, all right, they went out and got some guys that were coveted transfers that I, I get it. 
Um, with all that said, I mean, those were two good players, but like they didn't move the needle enough to get them in the tournament that year. Um, and you know, like that's not all on them. There's other players that play too, but, um, I think UVA is in a situation right now where, you know, there's a lot of players out there, but the quality of players you get, um, will determine, you know, where this team goes because they need so many guys. Right. So like, right. If it, you know, if you get the wrong guys or get like, or, you know, you need four and two of them hit and two of them don't, or one really hits and the other ones don't like, you know, you're talking about the difference between a new look roster that can be pretty good or another version of 2022 where you're back in the NIT looking at two NCAA tournament misses out of three. And both of those outcomes are very possible. Yeah. I think the thing that gives folks like me and I, and I think maybe you guys are in a similar boat. It's like there is a heartburn that comes with when you have to find so many different pieces because your point is well taken. Like they've shown that they can go out and get a couple guys who can really help them. The question is to what end, right? And when you have when you have a number of guys you need to bring in and you have varying skill sets that you really need to address in order to make your current roster, you know, the better the better or maybe maybe potentially approaching the best version of itself. Like if you strike out here or there in, in a lot of situations, like that's not as big a deal, but they really need these guys. But I think there's a direct correlation between sort of like, and walk with me here. There's like a direct correlation, Dave, I think between like the nerves that come when you have so many different places that you need to fill a hole, right? When you have so many different holes. And yet at the same time, that almost makes you more attractive to potential transfers because there is no log jam, right? There is immediate, like not just immediate playing time and like multiple levels of playing time. Like you can come into this and basically get anything you want in terms of time, in terms of shots, in terms of production. So if you're coming, if you want to come someplace and start, there is a absolute clear path to the floor. So on the one hand, in order to like get, those to to have the sort of playing time that you can that Tony Bennett can promise. I and mean, Tony Bennett doesn't promise playing time, but he I mean the math is just I mean if you think about the amount of production they've lost and sort of where they are, there absolutely are are starting spots out there if guys want them, right? But there's also the related sense of that which is like, hey, in order to have that, you got to the cupboard's got to be real bare and you need to address a lot of different needs. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, and if you just look, you know, normally when you're looking in the transfer portal, you're trying to fill like a single need. Um, right. And this team has a lot. I mean, what, we've been talking about it in our group thread the whole NCAA tournament. I mean, what are teams that won? You know, the teams that won, what did they do? They made shots, right? Um, and if you look at Virginia's roster as assembled currently, um, the only guy that's proven he can make shots on a consistent basis is IMAC. Yeah, that's true. Everyone else is kind of spotty. So that's a problem. Um but you're also don't have anyone over six foot nine on your roster. That's a problem too. <laughs> There's only right. one of them that's that tall. So you, you've got lots of issues to fill, um, you know, to, to fix. And that, to me, that's the weird part about this. And like, I, I know that, you know, the transfer process, sometimes, you know, some guys are in and out pretty quick, but with the number in there now, like, I mean, the best case for Virginia is that some of the guys they're after kind of take their time and take visits. But, um, I mean, I see, I think Jennings is the first one visiting, um, UVA. And obviously if, you know, in the transfer world, if you can get the first visit, that's probably, 
no, he's not the first. Miner is the first one visiting. Sorry, Miner is the first to visit. Then Jennings. Um, usually, if you can get the first visit, you can kind of lock those guys up if you know if things go well. So, I mean, hopefully, we'll know him more in, in just a few days, a couple weeks, about the first piece. But yeah, I mean, I've played around. I mean, I was going to pitch the idea we'd kind of do our our ideal team, um, the transfers would go after, but you know, it's like a, it's a choose your own path story. <laughs> you know, whoever you pick first changes who you want next. Yeah. And, the choose your own adventure. And everything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, to me, it's just, I don't like, I mean, what would you guys say? I mean, not to pass your question back to you guys, but what's the biggest need for this team? Cause there's cool. so many, I, I can't rank them and I, I've got it to me right now. I think it's shot making. Um, I would say, I would say that it's, means it's you're small. Making. Yeah. I mean, like I, for, I, I want to get your, your point of view on the previous thing too. But like for me, I, I think that if you have a if you have a greater need than than anything else, even though that all of the other things are like right there with it, I would say the ability to have a guy who can who can not only like shoot but can score. Like I don't care. Like I I mean like look I understand that Virginia is a program built on defense and but like production wise they need a dude who can create and score. Um, I I would like that player to be somebody with some length and some athleticism. I don't necessarily care so much if the, he's knocking down threes or if he's, you know, getting off the bounce and, and getting to the rack, but they just need a guy who can create. And one of the things that has held this team back the last few years is not being able to do that enough. You know, when Armand Franklin was able to get into the lane and score, Virginia was a better team this year. Now, granted, they were also at their best when their three point sh- shooting was was at a was at a higher clip. So I'm not saying that I, I'm not saying that like I don't want a three-point shooter. Obviously, I do. I'm just saying that I don't care what the dude has to do to get the points, but I need somebody who can score consistently. Guys who can put up double digits with regularity without, you know, much, you know, without sweating much. Ferber, what do you think? Yeah. And then kind of get back to the the previous question as well. I'll let Dave jump in. He had something there. He said, "Yeah." <laughs> no, I was just going to just agree on Brad. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Well. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often, so I didn't know how to. <laughs> wow. Harsh but fair. We probably, I mean, if anything, we probably agreed too much. Um, no, I think I think shot making is is definitely critical. Like I looked at a bunch of transfers. Luckily, there's a great um, YouTube guy, I, I, one of the portal accounts, and he like literally just makes highlights all days for for dudes that go in the portal. Shout out to that dude, man. Yeah, yeah shout out like, to that guy. He gets he like he has like everybody. <laughs> so I was like, all right, this is awesome. So I like go through and watch. And there's a guy like I'm not saying he's like my favorite guy or anything, but his name's Denver Jones. Yes. Um, from Florida International. Yes. And I think he's going I think a lot of people think he's going to Alabama. Um, but like I just watched him and I was like, you look at his numbers and you're like, oh, for one, he can score. Um, but like you look at his three point numbers, it's like, all right, not a lot like lights out shooter, but then you just watch him just get buckets on people, like in a bunch of different ways at the rim, pull up jumpers, threes, whatever it takes scores like 20 points a game and it's like that's that's what they need i think they need a guy that can just go get a shot i would say like that's a huge need but i also think like they desperately need some interior play like i'm not you know like they don't get a lot of their points through the post but like you need somebody to protect the rim and be consistent at that and um flash some athleticism do what you need to do on the boards because right now like I think it would be kind of foolish to count on Blake Buchanan to be like a thing in year one, because very few freshmen are under Tony are, um, especially not big men. So like maybe he comes in and can contribute right away. Maybe he has to by default. 
Um, but I don't think you can just go into the season being like, that's the dude. And like, maybe he'll just shirts. play through him. Yeah. No, like who knows? I, I was, so, I was going to make a joke about red shirting and yeah. I'm like, Hey, wouldn't it be nice if we never have to, you know, cause I can hear, I can feel folks who are listening to this going like, well, yeah, because most of the freshmen aren't necessarily counted for. And I understand that like red shirting right now is like persona non grata among UVA fans. And I get it. I get it. But your, even if he doesn't well retreat, though, I mean, no, I think yeah, you have to agree. you have to consider him a role player until right, otherwise. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Seen. Until until he until he really flashes and can consistently show it to you, and he earns that. I, I think that's fair, and I think that that UVA has to operate under the standpoint that not only is he going to be a guy who is like a, a support a support player, not necessarily a main star. I think they have to do the same thing with Leon Bond. They probably need to do the same thing with Ryan Dunn because like you're not going to take a step that Dunn would have to take in order to like shoulder the weight of like, you know, we haven't seen offense from him. We've seen, yeah, he's not going to score 16 points a game next exactly. year. Exactly. We've seen, like, we've seen, we've seen good defense. We've seen good athleticism. We've seen hustle. I mean, that kid plays so hard and I think his minutes that he played this year will be such a benefit to him, but to expect that he's just going to turn into like a third year kind of player. Um, I, I don't think you can do that. I think, McNeely is the one guy because of the amount he played last year and what he showed, like the consistency he played with. I think you can you have a really good feel for what he's going to be in year two, right? Uh, I think I have a good feel for what Dunn is going to be in year two, and I still think that's a like a half step behind what UVA would need him to be in order for the for the pressure that will fall or the 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 weight, so to speak, right, a production that's going to fall on the on the transfer guys. Um, I have I have really high expectations for Bond. I have really high expectations for Buchanan. I think when Gertrude is healthy and he's back in the mix, I think he like they've got something there for the future. What I'm worried about, and I think what I hear you guys being concerned about too, is like what does next year look like? Yeah, because right now ugh, it's hard to it's hard to say. Yeah, I mean, like I, I you know, I, I quickly perused, and it's kind of interesting to do this now because it doesn't really matter as much as it did, but like you know, you I quickly perused the way too early top 25 and I, I wasn't expecting to see UVA but like it was very clear that they're not present <laughs> like and it's I mean you look at their roster like we've talked about this already but there's just so little returning and let I mean Beekman could come back um but right now that's not a sure thing right so like you know you almost have to pretend like he's not coming back and and start working on like what you're gonna do if he doesn't um you know it's the only reason you would consider this team being good next year is just like Tony coaching his ass off and making yeah. them like dragging yeah. them to good. Um, mm-hmm. I think, and I think that's possible, but I think overall, and I think Dave, you said this, like, and just watching the tournament, I think, you know, you said like UVA's defense is probably going to be better than most, even when they're not the yeah, number be- three defense and efficiency, just because of the effort and the cohesion there. Um, and I think there's, there's a lot of truth to that. So I think that's kind of where I land with what they need for next year is like, you're going to need to get some guys that can play defense, but I think you really need to get, and and I honestly think like this is where, and and I'm not even saying he's not doing this now because I think the guys they've gotten recently have been good offensive players, but like I would almost, I would much rather see Tony like take offensive players with skills and athleticism and try to make them good at defense. That's exactly where I am. And honestly, that's then try to do the opposite and be like, let me take an elite defender and try to hope that he gets better at scoring. I agree. Because it doesn't work that way. Agreed. 
Yeah, I think that's what he has been doing, though. I mean, yeah, I think that's what he has been doing recently. I mean, BVP yeah. wasn't chosen for his defense. Um, yeah, that's true. Trout and Hauser in for his and, defense. You know, yeah, um, and even the recruits that they brought in. Like, and then Dunn, like players. even though Dunn turned into this six foot eight, you know, gazelle out there, that's not what he was when Virginia recruited him. You know, we th- I thought closer. of Dunn as the shooter. Yeah, he was. Right? He was. Clo- he was. Dunn was closer to what he is now than he was before the growth spurt. And I mean, cause like by the time Virginia really got interested in him, he had kind of sprouted. And I think they saw, and that's why I think they got interested. Was because, agreed. Yeah. Agreed. agreed. Like he was completely off the radar. Yeah. And then he got, I think he radar. was a guy that they liked, but they didn't like enough to really make a push for because, and then I think he, he sort of, he grew into basically over time. And because he had the, the time to do it, he grew into a guy who with those, you know, Deandre Hunter kind of comparisons um, I think in in hindsight, if you remember, like they were, you know, they were going to add the kid and they were going to, you know, he didn't have a spot for a while. Right. Yeah, and Bond was the guy yeah. that everybody was like, God, Bond was the guy they wanted. Yeah. Bond <laughs> yeah. was the guy. Who, and, and, and I do think to your points that you both have kind of made here, the idea of like kind of focusing on offensive guys. Bond is the one guy that's the exception to that. Right. Because in high school, it was very evident that he was a physical defender. Um, who had some offensive chops, but he was certainly not the other way around, right? He wasn't an offensive guy that you felt like you needed to teach defense to. Um, yeah. I think that one of the growing pains that you might be experiencing right now with this program is this kind of little bit of a sea change in terms of going after offensive-minded players and basically sort of getting them to where they need to be defensively. And I think that part of the reason for that is if you look at the guys that they they missed on, right, now – McCoy, Morcell, guys who, you know, they were expecting to be one thing and ultimately weren't. The reason for that is because they were primarily defensive-minded players who they were hoping would do exactly what Dave just described a few minutes ago. And and if I had to give one sort of, like, overarching hope for whatever they get out of the portal, it's offensive-minded guys. Um, and that's not just because of the production needs. It's in large part because of that, but it's not just that. I, I think that – yeah. Tony Bennett can teach defense to anybody. I think he could take the three of us and we could play a pretty decent pack line, right? I think he's very good at that part. I, I think the offensive stuff he runs is very good, right? I think that the the concepts and the things, the action they call, the way that they sort of tend to fit that to the personnel, I think that's that's absolutely good enough. That's that's absolutely good enough to be, um, you know, to win ACC tournaments and such and such, right? The difference, though, is that the talent that they've historically brought in offensively has just been a, a click below what they really need in order for that that piece of it to click into place. And what I mean by that is if you think about who are the most talented guards that Tony has gotten, right? They're the ones from the team that won a national championship, right? And what's next? The team that won the first ACC tournament championship, right? Um, they need more length. They need more athleticism. They need more offense. You know, I, Dave is exactly right. Like it became like a joke throughout the tournament, but it mean, make shots is, I mean, that is the game right now. And I think Tony Bennett can take a bunch of dudes like Ty Jerome and Kyle guy and turn them into dudes who can play better defense than he can to turn guys who play great defense into great offensive players. I think that's the, that is right now the biggest storyline for me as they go through the portal is finding guys who can, who can score. And I think it's, it's gonna, it's gotta be their focal point for him going forward. Yeah, and overall, if you look at, I mean, I know there's not a lot of scoring coming back on this roster. I mean, I think it's like 20 points a game or something. Um, but if you look at who's here, and let's not talk about transfers, and let's not, even with Beekman gone, I think, you know, if you just look at the defensive prowess you have, there's some guys that 
kind of fit the mold for helping Virginia have a, a very good defense for every position except the five, right? Because, you know, Harris, he's athletic. He, he's going to, you know, if he can kind of be Kihei with a little more height um, on the point guard, he's going to be a good defender. Isaac's already got a year in the system. You know, he's not going to be elite, but he's good. Um, and then, you know, you got Ryan Dunn, who with the year under his belt should become a problem. And then the athleticism of Bond and Gertrude, when Gertrude's healthy, that's two guys who can guard one to four, one to three for sure. Um, so Virginia can just figure out the five. Um, maybe Buchanan helps a little bit there, but if they can find a you know, defensive-minded five, um, maybe pair them with a four who can score or mm-hmm. you know, four, four who can move to the five in a small ball lineup, I think they've got a decent step towards the defensive side, which kind of goes in what we're talking about. Let's go find some offense. Yeah, agreed. Um, Ferber, I want to I want to get you to chime in on something because you you're the one who did the deep dive for the site. So I kind of want to get um, if you had to pick a couple guys from that list. And I'm not I don't necessarily want us to do like a draft per se. I'm not saying we got to go through every you know transfer that's out there. And also, this is just the list right now. Exactly, that thing changes by the minute. It could change before you publish. I mean, yeah, we, you know, we're, as we I mean, record this, do, there are guys that like w- Will Baker entered the portal, right? And yeah. it was, I was like, well, he definitely would have been on my list. Yeah. Like, you know, and the shaver kid, you know, like, yeah, yeah that was one. probably more of an omission. Yeah. On the, than but, but I mean, I think that kind of underscores the bigger point, which is like, there is no way to exhaustively cover what, how quickly this thing changes. Like all you can really do at this point is sort of zero in on the guys who make the most sense. And by minute by minute, hour to hour, like they're, they're still flocking into the portal. Um, and so I feel like on some level it's, it's a, it's a fool's errand to think that you can really exhaustively cover it. But, but of the guys that you've, that you've at least profiled to this point, or at least think you, you know, UVA might be you know interested in, is there, is there a specific guy who just jumps off the page at you? Who 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 you would love to have above anybody else? Hmm. And Dave, I'm going to ask you the same question, so be thinking about it. I don't have my list in front of me. Well, how Dave, dare Dave's you? just going to say Moses Wood, even though he's committed to Washington. <laughs> I um, really, I totally was. I was going to say that too. Yeah. All right. Well, in, no, with um, the caveat being that the guy is still in the portal and has not committed somewhere else. Yeah. Okay. Um. You know, like when I made the list, I would say like the guards, I was not like super underwhelmed, but I was more impressed with the front court guys. Agreed. You know, it feels like there's more there. Um, I really like the Marshall kid. I, I I mean, I think he's he's sort of a project, but he showed he has some potential. He was the conference freshman of the year. I'm going to butcher his name. Mika or Micah Hangloden. Is that how you Hang-Loden. say it? Hang Hanglogton. That's a no, I don't. I don't. Ten. I don't want him anymore. Um, not trying. <laughs> He's visiting Florida, though, right? Yeah. He is. Yeah, I think UVA's on the list. Um, so yeah, I mean, like they're in the mix, I guess. He's seven one. He moves pretty well. I mean, I guess the comparison would be Jay Huff without the three point shooting. Um, where it's like he's kind of springy, seven foot one, moves pretty well, skilled. Um, he could be something here. Um. I like him. I, you know, I, I'm. I would be good with the other bigs there, like Miner. Um, we've talked about him a lot in our text thread. <laughs> um, I think he's solid. Uh, Jennings is another one that, like, uh, at first I was like, I don't really know why they would be going after this dude so early in the portal, but like, I when I watched it, I get it. 
Um, but again, Brad, I think that's not that's not the type of player that you would probably go after first if you're looking for offense. Mm, um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's some guards. Like while you guys talk about it, let me look at the list again. Well, here's here's and Dave before you, before you go, I would I, if I had to pick three, I probably would go McMillan. Um, McMillan, actually, thank you. I, I knew I, go, I, was there, I was like, I know there's a guard that I like, and I'm just blanking on it. I mean, I, honestly, I like if we're gonna, if we're talking like, let him go four. Give me Jennings, Minor, Mcmillan, and literally any big, but probably for me, it's probably Samuel. Because why don't we just oh, do yeah. a draft? Samuel's good too. <laughs> I mean, the Samuel kid. Listen, for, I just for for my own um, S and Gs, like I he's remember, a more polished player than the Marshall kid. He's just a oh, one for sure. Rental. I watched him um, at that Boo Williams uh, event um, down in Hampton, and I remember being like that kid can ball and i i I honestly was so surprised that they decide you know that they they did not push for him so when he pops back up at the portal i mean i i was ready i mean like i think i sent you guys that story like two minutes after the after the thing hit i remember him (laughs) and i remember that kid was like i mean i remember interviewing him and i mean he just seemed like a great fit and then like you watch his highlights and you're like yep that would be perfect you know but like Here's I think this really underscores the, and Dave I'm going to come to you in a second I promise but like I think this I've said underscore like a hundred times in this podcast my bad folks um, I think this really highlights the issue here which is like if you if you start trying to like narrow some things down you really get into the weeds of like understanding just how hard it is because of the different needs right like Bond and Dunn I expect to be absolute terrors defensively for, for UVA this year like I expect that when you when you really want to shut somebody's water off. Virginia's going to be able to do that in a way the Cavaliers haven't done in a while. I really firmly believe that, right? And that's one of the things that Jennings, I think, and Minor sort of give you, which is a little bit more of that than maybe they've necessarily had, right? But they're not, those two guys are not like prolific scores. Chance kind of is, right? He's shown that he can play at this level. He can score at this level. He can score at multiple levels. Um, but then it's at the same time, it's hard for me to look at a big if 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 the, those two forwards are in the mix, it's hard for me to look at a big who can't score, right? And I'm not saying they got to go like the Hunter Dickinson route, but this kind of kind of goes back to something. I mean, I, told I would them, go that route. <laughs> yeah, I, I would sign. Like I would sign. And again, I'm I have been playing with this idea. Like I think exclusively, Virginia should recruit fives who are offensive minded who can screen and I don't really care about their defense. Right. And fours who are defensive minded, springing long dudes who I don't really care if they can score. Right. So I don't care if the fives can defend and I don't care if the fours can necessarily score because I think that Virginia's best when they have a guy at the five with some size who can actually do something offensively and a four who can move around a lot, who is a matchup um, he's a plus guy on the matchup side, um, and trying to find that with this group is a little bit is is a little bit daunting. Even though I like the bigs better than I like the guards that are on the uh, that are on the wire, so to speak. All right, Dave, give me give me some thoughts on who you would other aside from your your boy Moses Wood. Who are some of the the guys who are who's, who's committed elsewhere? <laughs> Look, right. I mean, I'm gonna try to come in from a from a practical standpoint. Guys, genius seems to have. Yeah, a chance with to me, minor is number one. Um, wasn't huge on him when I first saw his name crossed, but the more I've watched him and more I've dug into his stats, 
I mean, like I don't want to downplay what Jaden Gardner did because he's a great player, but Miner is Miner can do that and he's a better athlete. Um so given what Virginia's got coming back, to me, if you can get Miner, especially because he's taking a visit the sixth and the seventh, I think, if you can get him locked down, you know, 12, 15 points a game out of the post. He's not going to sh- stretch the defense, but he's going to offer you some rim protection. I think he's top 100 in the country on block percentage, maybe even top 70. Um, rebounds the ball well, can jump. You know, so I think he's a guy that gives you some roster fe- uh, flexibility, especially if you can get him in, get him kind of get him in the cupboard um, early. Then I think you can build off of there. And then Chance McMillan would be my second. Um Look, I like Jennings. I mean, I, I mean, I, my guess is there's some upside there. He didn't kind of didn't play a lot at Texas Tech, but you know, the one downside to going to the portal, um, not that there's, I'm sure there's multiple, but um, the big downside for what Tony does is culture, right? You know, Tony likes to know the guys are going to fit in. So the fact that Jennings, he's already kind of been down that trail with him, um, doesn't. It's not surprising he's on the sh- on the list of guys Virginia's looking to add because you, you got to have guys you know in the locker room. You can't have five dudes you have no relationship with come in and you know, what's the saying? Like you want to lose with guys before you can win with them or whatever. Um, yeah, you want guys you can lose with before you can yeah. win with. Yeah, gotcha. I, mean, I mean, I think do I do think adding Jennings, if you get minor with Dunn and with Bond, like that's a lot of the – I don't want to say they're the same dude, but they're similar, right? Yeah, there's um, some definitely something to that um, yeah. for sure. But also, like I've seen plenty of teams in NCAA tournament who have like twenty of those dudes, and those yeah, are I mean, like <laughs> look at UConn, like, Houston. They, yeah. UConn has like one big that's kind of like transformational, and then all the other pieces are kind of like similar dudes. Yeah, San Diego State was the same way. Like that Ladie kid, I'd be like, dude, I would. Sign San up for Diego him State literally, it was like five of the same dude. It was like they have like <laughs> they seriously come yeah. at you in waves, and I'm like, wait, I'm mean, like, wait, are these different guys? Because they look like different guys, but they're all basically the same dude. It's fascinating. Yeah, exactly. So, which, I mean, I mean, if, if you're going to overload a position, make it six foot six to six foot eight guys who are, who are plus athletes, right? Like you can find a way to make that work. Um, so, yeah, I mean, McMillan would be my second since Moses Woods off the board. But I think if you can get Miner and McMillan, even Jennings, like that's a good start. And then, I mean, I still think you got to add a big. Um, and I, I mean, I kind of agree with you, Brad. Like, you know, it'd be nice to have an offensive minded big, but I don't know if that guy would fit this team. You almost need a big to okay, just come in fair. and defend. That's fair. Yeah, that's and, you know, fair. I think moving forward, because Miner's going to be a one-year deal. He's only got one yeah. year left. I guess that kind of speaks to the Blake Buchanan's. You know, like, he he, he yeah. can, he seem, like he's a good blueprint for the kind of big man I'm looking for, right? I'm not saying they – like, because here's the, here's the reality, and I, t- and I told them this off off air. Like, the fives who, who are who are offensive-minded, who also can defend, UVA's likely not getting them, Right. And the fours who are springy, long, athletic dudes who can defend and also can score, UVA's probably not getting them. So if you have to make those concessions, I think getting some offense as well as I, I think the screening piece of this, like I think one of the things that I, as I look back over the last few years is like I feel like UVA has been either too undersized at various positions, right? Like you can't, I don't think UVA can have a four who is like six, six and a half anymore. Right. I think you need more, you need more athleticism and length than, than you, than you think you do. Right. And I also think that like the five, if he, if you're going to have a guy who needs to set screens, he, he needs to be able to score a little bit for you. And I think that that is a, uh, it's, it's like, um, it's like having short yardage running backs in, in, in football. Right. 
like we used this analogy a few weeks ago, the idea of like explosive plays, right? And football offenses really struggle when they when they have to put together 10, 11, 12 play drives. But you know what helps that is having dudes who can, you know, pick up first downs and short yardage, right? Having a big man who can score inside reliably. Like, I think we talk about the things that like really stood out in the tournament. That's what stood out to me is like everybody else makes layups, right? Everybody else, like I, I feel like every team I watched, right, throughout the tournament, the reason they're there is because when they get to the rim, they score, and I don't care what size they are. I don't care what the matchup is. I, you know, and I feel like that's one of UVA's biggest issues in the last few years has been like inability to make bunnies. Like I just want dudes who understand where to put the ball to make it go in the basket, yeah. regardless of how they get there. You know what I mean? In UVA's defense, not to keep talking, Justin, I'll let you <laughs> way out. But UVA's defense, if you look at the team they put on the floor the last couple of years, they've been, you know, outsized at every position. Um, you know, Kihei's always going against a guard, bigger guard than him. You've got beat Reese playing the two. He's going against a guy who's got a couple inches on him. Franklin's playing the three. He's definitely going against a guy bigger than him. Gardner's going against a bigger four. And then our bigs, whether it's, you know, Dunn or Gardner, I mean, um, Shedrick or Kafaro or whoever playing the five, you know, they struggled finishing too, just usually because when they were in, they were against a bigger big. So, yeah. I think just by getting bigger, you can fix that issue. Yeah, I mean, I think that was a big part of the issue that they had the last few years is just, I mean, Brad, I think you nailed it. It's like an inability to do the things that other teams make look easy, um, like layups and just getting in the post and doing things. And different teams are good at different things. It's you know, Not everybody has to be the same. Um, but I think, yeah, they were, they were small. And like in the backcourt, it gave them some trouble sometimes. And on both ends of the floor, I think. And, um, you know, it, there were some things that they did well, and there were some things where it was like, you know, they're challenged. And, you know, we talked about Jaden Gardner, like, you know, what he was able to get out of his size is pretty impressive. Like just his ability to score like that against always pretty much going up against bigger guys. Um, but if you can get like his scoring and ability into a dude that's six, eight, six, nine, I think you're in a different place. Like, um, cause you can do some different things. So, uh, yeah, but I think Brad, you're right. Like a, a lot of those guys, like you're not going to get the like the super super high ceiling guys that some teams are going to get through high school recruiting. In college recruiting, it seems to me like the players UVA gets are sort of broken down into groups. So it's like guys that UVA recruited out of high school didn't get, and then they get them on the back end. So that's your Sam Hauser. Um, who else would be an example of this? Um, Anthony Gills. Anthony Gill. Yeah, the bounce back um, recruitment Virginia is like. Kind Austin of, Nichols. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, there, there's some other examples. Yeah. Um, and then like you have your guys where it's Braxton like, key. Yeah. Braxton key. That was the person I was thinking of. Um, and then you get the guys that are like the low major mid major type players that are like good players that are looking to go up a level. Yeah. Trey and Murphy, played in Wisconsin. Yeah. Trey <laughs> Murphy, Ben Vanderplass, um, Jaden Gardner, you know, Jaden Gardner. And now you're looking at, you know, guys like minor, um, and then you have like the random, like, uh, like one of the guys that really doesn't fit those groups is Franklin. Um, and I think that he was in caught up in a coaching change there. Um, so we'll see, but yeah, I think like those are kind of the guys you're going to get and you can sometimes get those high ceiling guys in the portal because they developed late and were under recruited and ended up at UMass or whatever. Um, or, you know, they're guys that 
left their school. Like, you know, the fact that Caleb Love is available as a transfer, like that's something that would have been ridiculous. Like not not saying UVA should get him, but like, you know, if you if he had been available in the transfer portal like 10 years ago, that would have been really weird. Um Hunter Dickinson even weirder, right? Like Yeah, yeah. So I mean now it's like a different sort of reality. Now some of those guys you can actually get on the back end um in the portal. But yeah, I think I agree with pretty much what you guys are saying. I also think that it might be worth it. And and these guys are not always the easiest to get because it's uh, it's like, why would they come? But a guy that could maybe just give you some shooting off the bench, like even if they're not like an elite defender or something. Like but that like Cornell they, dude. Uh, yeah, like the Cornell dude. If the, if the, he's, a, he's exactly what I'm thinking of. If you could get him to commit to being like a sixth man and not worry yeah. about like, I have to go start then I think that's the kind of guy you could really like help you. And like, you look at these, you're talking about the tournament, the teams that are winning, like have guys like that, you know, they come off the bench, they give you eight points, you know, every once in a while they give you 15 points. Um, and you know, they, they're going to knock down their shots. They have a role and they're happy to play it. You know, they're not mad that they're on the bench. Um, and you know, it's hard to keep everybody happy. So like, if you can find a guy like that, but the problem is like, those guys are hard to find because a lot of right. times they're, they're transferring to play. They're not transferring to right. sit on the bench. Yeah. And I think and that's every one team's of the, looking for a shooter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and like Dave made a joke about like, Oh, you're from Wisconsin. Listen, there are a bunch of dudes with connections to Wisconsin. And I think UVA is absolutely going to get one of them. Like I actually really like the Wofford point guard. Um, what's that kid's Jackson last name? Pavletsky. Yeah. Yeah. He was the one, him and the uh, Domas kid. They were the two that yeah, I was domains, like, yeah, yeah that like both of those dudes would work. Get um, the locker ready. They're from Wisconsin. I mean, seriously, how many? The, yeah, the, we. Yeah. Yeah. The challenge I have, like trying to piece together where it should be is like the Beekman back or not is a like, yeah, that's a huge part of what you have changes to do. So everything. That's like we were talking everything. about the kid from uh, St. Thomas, Rody, Andrew Rody. He's yeah. like a low ceiling athlete. Probably he's six, six though, which is nice. And he has like a slow release. Um, but he's the kind of guy where it's like if you have Reese, like you can kind of like put him, you can do things with him. Six or seven guy, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't have Reese, it's like that guy's gonna have to be playing a lot more. You know, he's gonna have to be doing a lot more, and he doesn't. I mean, you're downgrading your athleticism by a lot. Yeah, um, agreed. And it's like you know, you're you can kind of get into some sticky situations there. Yeah, because um, you you got to get another point if Reese is gone. Yeah, um, you have to. Agreed. Yeah. Have to. Have to. Yeah, but that's one of those things where they might. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know if it's the best course of action, but maybe you just wait, like, you know, and you just yeah. kind of like see what he does, and it's like you hope that he makes a decision before the deadline. And the thing we have going for us is the staff has seen Harris for what, yeah, multiple agreed. months. Yeah, and um, I, and I, yeah, so they should know if, what they have. Yeah, I think at this point, what you're going to likely see them do is they're going to they're going to work on the assumption that Reese is gone, um, unless unless he has expressly told them I'm going to test and i'm gonna come back um i can well, what they why. could do too is like if pavletsky played one year at wofford and he's not the end-all be-all point guards he's you know not reese necessarily but like he's a three-year player so that's right. the kind of guy maybe you can get anyway and just be isn't like we don't know if reese is coming though? back or not sorry isn't harris a three-year player too though i think he's got two left but i but dave I, that's the kind of where i was gonna go a second ago but they like, play two guys together all the time it's, yeah so and, it's like and if you're tony and, and company i think you got to stop worrying about what the what the out years look like i think whoever whichever one of y'all said it like basically you're redoing yeah. your roster every year now granted guys you bring out of high school those are the dudes you're hoping to hold on to and the guys that you're looking to develop 
I'm not saying if you get a two, three year guy that you, you you're just like throwing him to the wolves. But I think that like in this situation, you work on the assumption that Reese isn't going to come back. If Reese comes back, that's great. And if somebody else gets lost in the shuffle, that's just the way it works. Like I think yeah. that's the only way you can do it. I think you have to recruit off of it. Like these guys are going to be what you you know these are going to be your dudes on the floor. Um, and if Reese is one of them, then hey, you know what? Maybe somebody else doesn't get to play as much. And, and if they leave, hey, that's just the the, the way the world works. That's you the know? way it goes, right? Yeah. And just think, remember, you know, if you get a transfer and he's got a couple years left, as of right now, he'll need a waiver to to transfer. So you you do have that going for you. And you fair. can just yeah. recruit like that. You can just be like, hey, look, we don't know what Reese is going to do, but we think there's at least a fifty percent chance that he doesn't come back. If he doesn't come back, you're starting at Virginia. Like right. basically, yeah. if he does come back, you're, you're competing play, with Harris. You're in the rotation and playing a lot because we can. We've demonstrated that we will play two or three point guards at the same time. Hell yeah! Um, <laughs> and you know, like th- that's gonna like you're gonna get out there and play. And then when Reese is gone next year, you're a starter. Um, I mean, the know. challenge I have, like, I mean, trying to figure it out. Assuming we, there isn't a point guard out there who's athletic enough and a shooter enough, you know, to to kind of just add. To, so he could play regardless. You're probably of, not replacing Reese if he leaves. Like with a yeah, Reese. no, no. I mean, Reese yeah, is probably the number fair. one transfer right now. Yeah. Um. All right, not that he's in the portal. Let's wrap. Let's wrap up on this to clarify. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of think in on some level that this is going to have. Like, I, I think the the transfer portal as we've been trying to process it the last couple of years. I think we all understand it changes things dramatically. Um, I think you're going to see just basically every team getting one or two guys every year. And I'm just curious, like as we were just talking a second ago, sort of about sort of the out years. And I'm just curious, how do we feel like, I mean, because like this thing is still not settled down yet, right? I mean, we're all we're all on the same page about that, that whatever is happening, this this um, this shift has not finished shifting. Right. The, it, the earthquake has not ended. Right. And so my my point in, in pointing that out is to sort of get back to the question of like, what does this mean for UVA going forward? Because I, I feel like for some programs, you know, you're 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 used to recruiting a lot of guys. UVA is not necessarily like that. A lot of times it comes down to three, four guy classes, lulls, three, four guy classes, lulls. Historically, they've redshirted at times to sort of spread some things out. But I do think that this really has changed things in a profound way, both because you know, you can't sit Isaac Trout for a year and let him soak and then bring him back. You know, that kid's likely going to go. Uh, I, I just think that's going to be more the norm now. Um, guys are going to be playing, you know, at mul- in multiple systems. They're going to be playing in multiple conferences. Like, it's just, this is just the thing, right? So what does that mean for UVA? And 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 I kind of want to take this question to both of you. Dave, what do you feel like... How do you feel like the portal changes how UVA recruits from a traditional sort of high school um, vantage point, or yeah, think, or do you think it changes things substantially? I mean, I do think I think it changes it for everyone at least till the COVID year is kind of not a thing anymore. Um, you know, assuming they don't go to the five year eligibility if you graduate thing. Um, I mean, I don't know how you can pour your resources into high school recruiting, especially unless you're recruiting guys who you know can come in and help right away. Um, but I mean, I think, I mean, not to be Debbie Downer at the end of a podcast, but I think the ultimate result of this for UVA is either, either Virginia figures out how to do this and make Tony feel good about it, or we don't see Tony Bennett much longer. Yeah, I mean, I, I, 
in the podcast. That's terrible news. But yeah, I mean, that that's my fear. That That's why guys like Jerry Wright are sitting on the set this, this year. Right. Yeah. Um, the game has changed. And, and I don't, I think Tony minute, Tony Bennett is a man of his morals and, you know, you know, he wants to do things a certain way. And, you know, if he can't do it that way and, and, you know, he's going, he's competitive. He's going to keep trying, but if he can't do it that way and he feels like he have to, has to jeopardize what he believes in to win at basketball, I don't think he keeps doing it. That's fair. Ferber, what do you think? Jeez, how am I supposed to follow that? I know, right? Um, Some positivity. Like, no, nah, I mean, I agree with you. Like, and, and, you know, Tony's been coaching for a while for a guy of his age. Um, you know, he's, he's seen a lot already and he, you know, he's still healthy and young. So like, we'll see what happens, but I, I definitely see that as a potential outcome. Um, you know, and there's ways, like, I mean, you can be pretty good and things don't look completely different from what they did before. Um, at the same time though, I think the days of like trying to take guys out of high school and like develop them over four years is sort of a waste of time. Like, not saying you're never going to do that. Like Reese Beekman is still on the roster or, well, I guess that's a bad example because he kind of, <laughs> kind of is, but you know what I mean? Like he's a guy, like if he comes back next year and has another good year, like you developed him over four years, he played four years, he's gone. He hey, Clark played five. He's gone. Um, but you know, like they've taken a bunch of guys. We've talked about this on the show recently, like where it's like, you know, they're not going to be able to help you right away. You hope that maybe they can help you in year three or maybe year four, and there's just for one, there's just not a lot of examples of that working at UVA or elsewhere, except for like guys that help you in a very specific way where like Jack Salt, he came to UVA tall, <laughs> you know, they basically had to teach him how to screen and catch the ball. And, you know, like he was able to help them, um, but they weren't asking him to do a whole lot. It was sort of he was like a role player that had like a very niche thing, you know, that he was working on. You know, and then you had a few other guys like a long time ago. Like, I mean, and again, I, it's been nine years since Akil Mitchell played at UVA. It's been eight years since Darion Atkins played at UVA. Things have changed a lot. Um, and they're not bringing those guys through so much. Kihei played right away and played five years. So um, I think you probably need to get take smaller high school classes with guys like the classes. Like, I have no issue with anybody they took in the last two classes, right? Like, you know, they got Trout. Dunn, McNeely, Bond, Buchanan, and Gertrude. I think that's everybody, right? Um, those are all players that, like, on paper, they should be able to help you. Um, and if you redshirt them, it's not the end of the world if that if that works out for all parties. Um, but that's something you decide. And UVA also, you have to remember, had the benefit of going to Italy and letting everybody play, you know, before they decided. So, um I think like the way it affects high school recruiting is you you're not mining so far down the board um, and hoping things work out. You'd rather just kind of like pocket that scholarship. And maybe if you like a guy that's a three star, that's like, I don't want to pick on Kihei, but like a Kihei type player where it's like, this guy's kind of under the radar. We don't really need him, so to speak, but like we like him. Maybe he comes available in two years after he kills it at, you know, Princeton or whatever, like, it's yeah. very possible. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, I think that's maybe a more pragmatic way to look at things going forward. It changes the on court piece for UVA though, because like Tony tries to like his ability to develop guys in the system over years is a benefit Correct. that he might not have the luxury of using Correct. as much now. Yeah. And that's kind of the direction I was going in the sense that like, 
in the past, I think they, they would put together bigger classes and they would space them out how they could. But realistically, they, they recruited using the scholarships they had. And Tony was much more of a bird in hand sort of recruiter, right? In the sense of like, he took a guy when he liked him and he moved forward and he, he, he trusted that he could develop that kid into being the guy that he wanted him to be and the way that those things fit together. I think because the portal is going to be such a big focal point for him that I think the size of the classes is going to shrink uh, just simply because there's just too many moving pieces and it's, it's going to, I think the portal is going to um, have the potential at least for a lot of teams, UVA included to essentially like not replace, but, but to supplement to an extent that your high school recruiting, you're, you're not going to go after as many guys, right? You're going to be pushing further out into the edges to the margins, even less, right? You're going to be looking for guys that you know are absolute perfect fits for you. And the pressure to fill your roster with those types of players, even when you have a lot of openings is just not going to be the same. But part of the question was a little bit dishonest because I built into this the idea of like, well, we kind of need to see how this one works because this one is very different than the last couple have been in the sense that like this is roster like turnover, right? In the past, what they've primarily had are needs that needed to be addressed. What they have this year is essentially free agency, right? Next year, you know, we need this, we need this, we need this. Well, let's go find it. Right. That is this that that is something that they it, that is an altogether different animal that I don't think they've had to this extent. So the success that this endeavor has, I think, does kind of um, speak to or sort of um, inform what they're going to do going forward, because if they can have success and they understand what that looks like, well, then they can look and say, OK, every year we're going to get two, maybe three guys that fit us that we, we we can see on the floor and we're going to build around those guys with pieces from the portal. Um, I, I think all schools, all coaches across the, the landscape of college basketball are still grappling with what this all needs to look like. And the COVID year to Dave's point earlier, like it really does jam things up in terms of succession planning and, and your out years. Because right now, you're just not entirely sure who all will come back. And you're already dealing with the uncertainty of who's just going to jump in the portal, to, whether it's to, to go someplace different or to chase an NIL or whatever their reason might be. So I think you sort of have to assume that each year, you're going to be doing a significant amount of roster, like, um, of roster uh, building and possibly like you know, scrapping some things together, right? Throwing some, some stuff together to see if it fits. And your challenges year to year to year are just going to be so different than they were from traditional recruiting. It used to be that if you had spots in one big class, you knew in three years, you're going to have to fill that big class, right? And that was the dynamic you knew coming up. So, so when you went to different AAU events and you knew three years from now, because you just had a big class. So you're looking at younger kids and you're tracking more guys, right? Virginia's uh, history on the traditional recruiting front is such that like they like to get on guys early. Well, can you do that as well when you know that you need these guys to play right away? Like, can you can you waste your time and resources tracking guys, potentially offering guys as sophomores when what you need to know is who they're going to be as seniors because you actually need those dudes to be able to contribute 
And I do think that that has the potential to change a lot for what UVA's traditional recruiting model looks like. I also think like in a weird way, you're kind of recruiting for your freshman classes. You're almost recruiting your bench. And I know we've said, we like, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. But they, they're recruiting a bench because like your bench guys are going to keep leaving like in the portal. They're just going to leave. Um, you know, you're going to bring in like Tane Murray stayed Tane Murray. Like if he didn't want to be here or whatever, like he easily could have left and nobody would have batted an eye. Right. I mean, Caffro left, he's gone. You got to replace him. Like, um, you know, before that there were other examples, Justin McCoy goes, you know, Carson McCorkle goes. So you're backfilling, not just your starters, but your bench. And cause you have to have a roster like a 10, 12 man roster, so your freshmen, you hope they can come in and help you. But really what they're doing is like you have an older team with transfers and a younger kind of hungry bench of young guys with potential. And then you let all that stuff shake itself out and you're not going to be able to keep everybody happy. And I think that's why it helps to have a coach that's sort of honest about. I can't promise you things like or whatever, but you know that like when they're recruiting a transfer that to start, they're telling him that. Like they're not going to be like, you're going to come here and you might play or you might not play at all. <laughs> like, um, but you know, cause that would just be a terrible way to recruit. Um, but at the same time, like you kind of do have to backfill your roster with guys. But I think that the difference is you don't have to be like, this guy isn't going to contribute on the floor at all until 2026. All I know is I'm very glad I'm not that I don't have the job that Tony and company have because this is, I, I think this is, I would be fascinated just to see like the whiteboard with the names. Dude, I mean, what, what, what Ronnie and Johnny must have to do is just, I mean, the, the, the you have to have of, a portal guy. Like, you I mean, you have, have to, have a guy. and I mean, I'm surprised that like more teams don't have a, a you know, a director of, uh, of transfer recruiting or something like it, it is. I mean, especially like, right. Like you gotta, you've almost gotta be like on the lookout going into the portal season to sort of figure out like what what guy especially today's point earlier like the bounce back like like the guys that you've recruited and 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 previously sort of had relationship with like how many of those guys are fl- are thriving how many of those guys look like they might be in the portal because you need to be ready I mean I I think that is that's a that's a piece of this that I think a lot of people don't really sort of understand is that like we look at it from the basketball side of things but like they've got to make like real like contact relationships with these people, right? Like not just the players but and determine if somebody's and, a fit for exactly. They got to get a sense of know. like and 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 if you think about it on its face, right? The idea that like it, and it's impossible to sort of like bifurcate these things, but like ultimately these kids are leaving one school to go somewhere else, right? Historically speaking, transfers have always been a little risky, right? Because nobody transfers when it's great. It's until now, because now it's like, oh, I'm actually better than this school can give me or this NIL deal can pay me. Right. So now all of a sudden, like dudes are actually leaving somewhere, which has historically been kind of seen as a negative. Oh, you need a fresh start. or Oh, this didn't work out. or Oh, you weren't you didn't develop to, into being the guys at UVA is recruiting. Enough. A lot of times they're in the portal because it worked out too well. Exactly. <laughs> like, and that's what's really strange yeah. is because historically speaking, coaches looked at transfers and uh, like a little bit of a side eye because they're like, all right, well, what went wrong? Right. What what issues were there? Like, why are you doing this? Well, now that is completely flipped. It's very different. Yeah, I mean, that point you're about making making about bounce backs kinds of <clears throat> excuse me, kind of makes me want to uh, debate myself earlier. Earlier, I said, you know, high school recruiting will become less and less important. Maybe high school recruiting is more and more important now because 
look, when they're in the transfer portal, you only got a few weeks to get their attention. Um, so, you know, in the past, like when you're a high school, you know, if you're recruiting a high schooler and all of a sudden, you know, he's kind of leaning Duke, Kansas, can UNC, you know, the usual suspects, if you will, maybe in the past, you stopped recruiting that guy's heavy, maybe moving forward, you need to keep recruiting that guy, even though he's let you go just so you're in the back of his head. If he ever pops up in the portal. later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah um, and I think that's part of it too, is like, there's a relationship, like the McMillan thing, there's a direct connection there. Right. Right. Yeah. He yep. played AAU basketball with Kihei's AU team, not together, but because yeah. he played high school basketball 37 years ago. Um, but yeah, I mean like there's a connection there. Um, that helps. It's like, Hey, our guys in the portal here, like, you know, take a look at him and think you might like him if they aren't already aware. And then Jennings yeah. is a guy they already kind of know. And Braxton key is a guy they already kind of knew. And, um, yeah. and to be honest with you, like, let's be honest, like half the transfers out there, they don't all, they don't all know where they're going, but a lot of times they go in the portal being like <laughs> Isaac trout. Um, like kind of like, all right, I kind of know where I'm headed. And then right. even though it's technically not within the rules, like there's, yeah, there doesn't have to be any tampering for a guy to know where he's going to go. Right. Yeah. And like, I don't think there's anything wrong with like, if, if yeah, I no, I like, that. I want to go to Creighton. Let me just figure out if they have a room for me and want me. Like, I don't really see the harm. He's going to go in the portal anyway. Right. Like, let me, let me toss out something that, that I'll, that, to, Dave's up here talking about, he's like debating himself. And like, now I feel like maybe I'm going to throw something out there. that's going to under like, undercut some something i said this is like the instagram reel i was watching the day of skip bayless uh debating himself about aaron <laughs> Rodgers or whatever yeah. it's like him just him saying completely i mean i, I make a i make a point in life to never watch anything that that human does or says um but but, but no that, that's basically what's about to happen but like so a minute ago i'm talking about like oh you know traditional recruiting stuff but like if you think about it in some ways traditional recruiting becomes even more important not necessarily about because you get ability was always the end all be all right can can we get this player that's the thing that mattered most now if you do you know in terms of traditional recruiting yeah it's great to get the guys you want but it's also great to have existing relationships with as many players as possible because those dudes might come in the portal later and you be like hey you know you remember me right i've got your number on my phone and you know whatever you know what i'm saying so like you could even make an argument that in some ways in very you know narrow ways Traditional recruiting is even more important because the relation because that's when you can build the relationship, right? That's when you can actually Isn't go to mom. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, but no, no, I'm just saying, like, even it, 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 it like well, maybe it, like, maybe the answer here to what you guys are saying is you spend more time on guys that you probably can't get. Correct. Yeah. That's what I'm going. Yeah. Like you're actually trying to make relationships and get and get ability isn't nearly as important anymore. It's all about the relationships you can build and sort of like betting a little bit on possibly cashing in later in a in a significant way right so like you're essentially you're you're going to spend even more time in recruitments that you probably won't win right because down the road those might actually come back to you and so in in a way because you're not going to take as many guys spending that time and resources on guys you probably know you're not going to get anyway isn't nearly as um as much of a problem as it would be normally, because normally you got to get out there and actually get the dudes who are actually going to sign with you. Now it's like, well, they might sign with us just in two years. Mm -hmm. I think too, like, I think my ultimate stance on the portal is the same as what I said a few weeks ago, which is you don't want to have to build your whole team through it. It's not ideal. It can still work. Like if you do that, it's just, there's more risk um, and more volatility. Like, we're looking at these names like we know, like we've seen enough now to know 
it's like these guys might look good, but they might not be what you think they are when they get here, or they might even be better. Um, or, you know, this guy might not go to UVA, and then you look up and you're like, man, that was a miss. That guy's averaging 20 points a game or wherever he ended up. Um, and, you know, I think that it, there's just more volatility. None of these guys that we talked about is like, I haven't seen one guy where I'm like, that guy's the answer to their problems. Like, if he comes, they're going to be awesome next year. Well, um, probably because we have five problems, right? Yeah, and I think, <laughs> you know, too, it's like, who are you getting that's going to do that anyway? Like, from the port, like, even those guys are very rarely available to a school like UVA. Too. And if they are, they're getting paid. Yeah, they're in the portal for NIL or whatever at this point. Um, yeah. But, like, you know, even, like, you know, they got, like, let's Caleb Love is, like, the number four player in the portal or whatever. It's, like, cool. If they get him, like, are they better than they were last year? Like, no. Like, you know, I don't think so. Um, Hunter Dickinson, maybe. Like, you know, just because he's such a good scorer. But, like, they still would have a lot of other things to figure out. Um, and Michigan just played in the NIT with other good players. Um, but, yeah, I think, like, you build your – your best, the core of your team through high school recruiting, because that's where like at UVA, I feel like you can get your high upside athletes, your top 100 talents. Um, and then you supplement with portal guys who are maybe veteran players who bloom late at smaller schools, guys looking for a fresh start that maybe you couldn't get out of high school. And then you can put something together, but you sort of have a core of players of like high ceiling, high, like high athleticism type guys and I feel like in the portal, not that there's none of those guys, but like it's more you're there's a reason that a lot of these guys ended up at smaller schools. Like, and a lot of times it's like size, athleticism, something. Um, and you're working around that because they're good basketball players. And I think like at a high school, you can get guys like Ryan Dunn and Leon Bond a little easier, like, you know, really good athletes. Reese Beekman, same thing. Um, and even for next year, like we don't know what the team's going to look like, but if Beekman comes back, especially like you could make a case that they still have the core of their team is high school recruits, you know, like regardless, even if they add four guys, um, cause you have Beekman, you have McNeely, you have done, you have bond. Um, and then you have the two guys that are coming in. So, I mean, like, I think you could make a case, like they've built a decent team through high school recruiting. Um, and now they're supplementing, but you know, Beekman doesn't come back. You're supplementing even more. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this year is kind of a one-off. Like, this is not the ideal situation to be in, I would say. Yeah, but, I mean, I think it's just got where basketball is now. I mean, look at the mm -hmm. Final Four. Um, yeah, UConn you know, had, it, what, like four transfers on their yeah, team? Yeah, San Diego like State had a few. Um, yeah. You know, it's not like it's not Miami, like, I mean, like, you yeah, know, we I mean, know about them. Well, you know, know, they had two much really hot, you know, impact transfers. Um, yeah. But I think, you know, just you kind of hit on it, like, you know, looking at smaller schools, I think I was a little guilty of this when I discovered that YouTube channel. I'd be like, oh, I've never heard of that school. It's probably nothing. But you have to remember, like a lot of those high schoolers ended up at schools they wouldn't have ended up with pre-COVID because there's no scholarships available to major schools. And these guys know the portal exists. So why go sit the bench at, I don't know, Butler or something? And not, no, Butler's a pretty good program. Let's go. That's a good example, there. though. Like if you're the if you're like the Pavletsky kid, I don't know what his offers were or Rody. I'm just picking on those two guys because they were freshmen. Like. You go to go to Wofford instead of going to yeah DePaul school where you're clearly a second Xavier, right? you know, yeah. and it's like and it's like you can get an up at Xavier next year if you're good at Wofford, and maybe yeah, exactly. you get to go to Duke, <laughs> like yeah. you know if you're really good or whatever. Um, yeah, so I think we all have to change the way we look at things, and it's difficult. It's going to take a while, um, and everyone's in the same boat. You know, it's yeah. not like 
you know, it's not like anyone's got this figured out. I mean, I don't think any of us are expecting UConn to, you know, be preseason number one, um, or San Diego state. Like they just got too many pieces. They I just happen wonder, to get the chemistry, right? I do wonder how this affects, and it's kind of maybe a different conversation for a different time, but like, I wonder how this affects the one and done type programs more. Agreed. Yep. Because yeah. like they might actually benefit from this in a way because now everybody's roster is turned everybody's over. Everybody's turned over, right? And so it's like you kind of everybody's got like a new team, so it's like you kind of at least have a really talented new team. Um, or it could be like they and they could even you could make a case like if you're Duke, it's like we're gonna keep doing what we're doing, and then we're gonna add like one really good transfer. Yeah, one yeah, one really good old transfer who is ready to you know yeah. I got you. I also think too. I wonder if if some of this is going to simplify things for folks in the sense that like, you know, we we, we certainly have had plenty of experience with guys who come to UVA. And it's like oh he you know he needs time to learn the pack line. He's you know, I I wonder teams who have you know sort of exhaustive systems and things of that nature i wonder how much of this they have to simplify because real talk like you're just not going to have uh the kind of runway that you had before like you're going to need guys to be able to contribute and i'm not saying that specifically about uva i'm talking about everybody like if everybody's in roster turnover you know you're going to need to get guys up to speed and get them sort of acclimated real fast because you need them to start contributing real quick um and if you don't do that you're not going to be able one, that kid's not going to be successful, um, and you probably need him to be. And two, you're not going to be able to bring in guys who can be successful because you know they're not able to 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 get it down. I think that's a that's a really interesting yeah. point about how it impacts the one and done because the one and dones have struggled because they if they weren't able to out talent you, they couldn't out culture you, they couldn't out um, execute you. You know, they'd have to out um, athleticism you or out talent you. Right, and they're not as old, and you have these teams that played together for four years going against them, and it's like that's not going to be the case as much anymore. Yeah, I still wonder, you know, watching this year's Final Four, like I think the only reason that like teams like San Diego State and Florida, like the reason these guys were able to do what they did is because at the end of the day, it really does come down to talent that fits well together, that plays well together, right? And in some ways, transfer portal. The the transfer portal aspect makes it feel a lot more like fantasy football, you know, in the sense that like you know, it's like you're ten just kinda, points a game here, fifteen points a game right, here, exactly, and, and that's just not necessarily like you watch way. the San Diego yeah. State team; they don't get to the national championship game because they're just a bunch of pieces that that get thrown in the mix. They fit really well together. Same thing for Florida Atlantic, and the reason UConn blew them off the floor, right? The reason UConn like dominated everybody in this tournament was because those pieces fit really well together and they're very talented, you know? And I, I think that ultimately that's the thing that folks are still chasing. I think that truth will not sh- will not shake. I, I think that the the how you get to that truth, though, that's, the, that's where the rubber meets the road. I think but. one last thing I just kind of want to add to is like, and Brad, or Dave, you mentioned like Tony's principles and things. I think the one thing, and I don't have the answer to this, but I think the one thing he is going to have to do differently or better or whatever is he's going to have to find a way to make his systems a little bit more digestible for his players, because you're going to have so many new players. Mm-hmm. Like you can't in this environment, if you're, you can't continue to have a system where it's like, well, it takes three years of soaking for somebody to get this defense down. Like, you know, you're going to have to compromise somewhere. And it, or you're going to have to move on, right? Yeah. I mean, like, because yeah, I mean, I mean, ultimately it's one, and I think he can do that. I don't think he would yeah. sit here and be like, I need three years or it doesn't work. But 
we've seen that kind of be the case with some guys. And it's like, that's just not going to do like, if you want to win, like we talked about his competitiveness, if you want to win basketball games in this environment, like you're going to have to maybe think about things a little differently. Yeah. I mean, I think you're, you're right, but he's also had the benefit over the last nine years or so, save maybe the 2021 season um, of having experience back every year. Fair. Yeah. That's good. Right? Yeah. It's very so rare that he has he's a not really get, young team. Like, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that 21 team with Hauser and Murphy and those guys, they played, um, you know, obviously Hauser had a year of practicing the pack line, but he wasn't an elite defender at any means. And he got better as the year went on. And so did Murphy. Um, you, you don't have a choice, but to play young guys, if that's all you got. Yeah, um, that's true. So yeah. I, I mean, I like think, Gardner and Franklin were not finished products in the past. Gardner was a little further behind, I think early yeah. on. And then, but he got better. Um, and they, but they played him immediately, you know, sometimes you just have to. So I you think mean, honestly, I think the fans, as much as this coaching staff are going to have to adapt to this, because I think you're going to see. I was trying to think of this earlier and didn't figure out where to put it in. Was um, I was trying to remember a roster where Tony didn't have where that where the team got better as the year went on. Not, not like you know, most of the Virginia good teams have been good from day one. Um, they've gotten a little better, but you haven't seen a team emerge from nothing. To greatness, maybe. I mean, we knew the twenty fourteen team, team was maybe. flawed. They lost to Navy, like in the first game yeah. of the season. Like we we should have known right then <laughs> that they were. But in the trouble. very best teams Tony's had were very good all year. Yeah. Um, and it's just you know because he had guys coming back, they played a lot. The other guys were supplemental. Um, so I mean, and look, even despite that, even this year, like Virginia lost what I can't remember how many games we lost now. It wasn't many. Um, but the ones Virginia lost, like. Virginia fans were apoplectic during the losses, right? <laughs> you know, so I think us as fans too, we're gonna have to realize, hey, it's gonna mean some losses in the season. Yeah, maybe you have to, to kind of build this up and get games. playing minutes. Like, yeah, and that's like, look at UConn. Like, look, exactly. go look at January for them. It was terrible. They were like two and eight or two and seven or something, but they were good everywhere else, right? Like, it just shows you you don't have to be perfect in the regular season. I think. I don't think like I would never say like lose more in the regular season because I think that's like a weird blanket statement where it's like mm-hmm. losing doesn't help you, but maybe doing things a little different might lead to more losses, but ultimately lead to more success in the postseason. Right. You know, yeah. it de- yeah. depending on like what like playing guys that maybe aren't as ready that have higher ceilings and things. Yeah, like to get that. them minutes to help you later, they might yeah. cost you a game. And maybe you lose to Michigan or whatever, but like that doesn't really matter that much in March. Like, yeah. You know, yeah. unless you're losing a lot of games and then you got <laughs> issues. You, you got to make March, you know. Yep. All right. I think that's a good place to put a pin in it. Um, we have lots of time to discuss um, big picture, long term questions in the offseason. So we'll save some of that. Um, and we probably will have some some transfer uh, decisions and things to discuss here coming up soon. So uh, if you're somebody out there who found the podcast through the website, thank you very much for giving us a listen. If you don't mind. Look us up on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, or wherever it is that you get your programs. And, um, hey, if you want to give us a rating or a review, we appreciate it. Now, if you're somebody who has not checked us out on the website yet, you can check us out at CavsCorner.com. Uh, I mentioned Ferber's piece on the um, the list of guys. Uh, I think that was really well done. Um, he also had a nice piece today on the offense and uh, for the football side of things and sort of the uh, the questions the Cavaliers have to answer. Um and I, and I and I I'm curious, you know, as we get through the rest of spring, how many of those questions will be completely unanswered, and how many of them we feel like we might know something about. 
Um, I want to thank My Perfect Franchise for their support of the website and the show. You can visit MyPerfectFranchise.net for more information. Um, listen, Andy does a great job. He, he understands if you're like a somebody who wants to get out of the corporate world, you're, you know, maybe you're displaced executive, whatever. This guy understands how to link you up with the kind of stuff that you want to do. Uh, probably better than you think you know what you want to do right now. So give him a call. He loves to do this kind of thing. I don't understand it at all, but I know he does, and that's the thing that matters most. So give him a look. MyPerfectFranchise.net. I want to thank everybody out there for supporting the show. And of course, I want to thank Dave and Ferber for giving graciously your time as always. I very much appreciate all they do. So for David Spence and Justin Ferber, I'm Brad Franklin, publisher of CatsCorner.com. Thanks for coming out. See you soon.